Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, so just talking political calculations here. I, I know that's rough to hear, but politics is a hard, rough, ugly game. Strictly politics. I know people are struggling. People need money. I get that. I'm asking you for a moment, though, to put that aside because politics, sadly, is an ugly business. Trump has Pelosi in a corner right now over this uh, porculous bill. The bill was a disaster. We pointed that out yesterday. It's an abomination. The spending bill attached to it is a total train wreck. Pelosi, here it is in a nutshell. Bottom line up front. Pelosi needed this bill to pass with all the pork and garbage in it because Democrats and sadly some Republicans love porculous, right? That's their thing. Porculous is their thing. They needed it. They got smoked in the midterm elections. President Trump needs to help the American people, but he doesn't need it as much as they do if it's going to be a bad bill. Keep that in mind as I talk about what's really going on behind the scenes. There's some stuff here that the media, some in the media have missed that I think Chad Pergram uh, uh, may have pegged. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Ladies and gentlemen, get a VPN today. Protect your online activity from those prying eyeballs. Surf the web in peace. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino today. Pick one up. All right. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. <laughs> and this Christmas Eve Eve. Well, ho, ho, ho. I am ready to go. Yes. How about Joe? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, that was bad. And his worst 1960s <laughs> game show voice. Yeah, it was absolutely it really uh, horrendous. But that's okay. I've grown to come used to this. This to is it. the last, Thank by you. the way, Joe works hard. So does Paula. So does Drew. This is the last show of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have given them, we, Paula, Paula really makes all the business decisions. So we are taking Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. Merry Christmas to you all out there. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Joe yes, and Drew. Yes. Paula and everyone Merry else, Christmas. Matt, and everyone who's worked really hard. So everyone. we appreciate it. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everyone. All right. Let's get to it. Right. And Lucy, you want to throw Lucy in the mix too? Lucy Balls, like throw <laughs> yeah. Lucy in. Thank you. Poor Lucy, by the way. We had Lucy fixed, if you know what I mean. And she's been struggling for the last few days. It's tough to watch your dog hurt. It is, man. Yeah, I, I like, I'm feeling the pain. Like, you know, I'm they're like part, they're like kids. If they're like little I mean. babies in your family. <laughs> we know Man, what you mean, all right, bro. Let me get right to this because yeah. we got a lot to get to. I know you do. All right, folks, uh, this day, holiday season sure knows how to lot. We sure knows how to lighten your wallet. Doesn't every holiday season for many families, December is one of the most expensive months of the year. You know that not to mention the busiest. If you need the life insurance, but you don't want to deal with the hassle or expense, try policy genius. Policy genius combines a cutting edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and money. Right now, you could save 50% or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance. When you're shopping for a policy that could last for more than a decade, those savings add up big time. Here's how it works. First, head to policygenius.com. In just minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to skip the in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. And the best part is they work for you. They don't work for the insurance company. If you hit any speed bumps in the application process, Policy Genius takes care of everything. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. If you have loved ones who depend on your income, do not go into 2021 without life insurance. Go to policygenius.com and get started. You can save 50% or more by comparing quotes and start the new year with one less thing to worry about. Do not wait. 
Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. PolicyGenius.com. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. So yesterday we had discussed this disastrous, grotesque, porculous bill, um, spending seemingly uh, everywhere but where it's needed, spending uh, in Nepal for, uh, no, what, uh, Sherpas in Nepal for uh, mountain climbing? I, I don't know what, all, all this foreign aid in there, foreign aid, can we, we're in the middle of a, a, a COVID-induced recession here at home. The bill was a disaster. President Trump, I think, heard us and heard others and said, hey, listen, I'm not down with this bill. Now, notice what he doesn't say in this clip I'm going to play. He gave a little speech at the White House yesterday saying $600 stimulus payments. That's a pittance. We shut the whole economy down. Now, remember, we are giving this money to ourselves. Make no mistake. This isn't like this money is not There's no money fairy. I told you yesterday, I thought targeted tax relief would be far better off and maybe payments to people who can show they were unemployed for a certain amount of time. I don't think this is a great idea either way. Let me be crystal clear. My principles matter. I don't care who says what. But if you're going to give people checks, $600 isn't going to do much difference in the middle of a government do shutdown nationwide. Here's President Trump talking about all the pork in the bill. And he starts out here just nailing some of the disastrous things in this porculous package. Check this out. $7 million for reef fish management. $25 million to combat Asian carp. $2.5 million to count the number of amberjack fish in the Gulf of Mexico, a provision to promote the breeding of fish in federal hatcheries, $3 million in poultry production technology, $2 million to research the impact of downed trees, $566 million for construction projects at the FBI. The bill also allows stimulus checks for the family members of illegal aliens allowing them to get up to $1,800 each. This is far more than the Americans are given. Good for him. Now, remember, we're going to talk hard political baseball here, and I'm going to give you a little what possibly is going on behind the scenes and the strategy here by the Trump team to dump this terrible bill and get a better bill, because that's the hard politics of it. I get it. People need help. I am not unsympathetic to that, please. I'm simply suggesting to you there's political hardball behind the scenes that matters and always matters because the Democrats pay political hardball all the time. It is Pelosi who has delayed the relief to you, period. The jury is in. The gavel is down. I tried to explain this to Paula before the show, and as as the pre-show audience ombudsman, she didn't get it. So if, Joe, if this doesn't make sense as the in-show audience ombudsman, tell me. Pelosi needed this bill. There were public union bailouts she wanted, state bailouts for blue states that spent their states into oblivion. Pelosi needed this bill. She delayed the bill, thinking a signing of a bill where you got a check by President Trump before the election would benefit Donald Trump, so she delayed it. Does everybody get point one? Oh, yeah. Bullet point one. Yeah, yeah. Producer Joe? Okay, good. Paula's giving me the thumbs up. Pelosi delayed it. I'll play the video in a second. I'll get to that. Of her admitting she delayed it. It's no quite, it's her words, not mine. She delayed it before the election because she was afraid if Donald Trump was in the White House, putting his Donald Trump, John Hancock, on a bill delivering stimulus checks. One, it would juice the economy, so Pelosi was afraid of him. Two, it would have him score political points and beat Joe Biden. So she delayed it, thinking, wow, I really got this guy in a corner now. But by delaying it, she caused herself a whole bunch of problems. 
Because now that she thinks Biden uh, won, and I'm, like I said, I'm not conceding anything until I hear all the evidence here at all. But now that she thinks Joe Biden wins, she thinks that the Trump team's just going to go back to hunky-dory and just cave, figuring, ah, you know, if we leave and the next administration comes in, we'll just sign it and walk out the door. Trump said yesterday during that speech, no, nah, no, nah, we're not signing this crap. But he didn't mention veto. Why? Let me show you this photo from the Senate. Uh, I was at Senate.gov about a pocket veto. Hat tip Chad Pergram, by the way, Chad Pergram from uh, Fox, who put this up on his uh, social media feed. And it's an interesting idea. Senate.gov. What do we have up here? What's a pocket veto? Well, this isn't a constitution class, but for the sake of the show, because there's just what may be going on behind the scenes, a pocket veto. The Constitution grants the president 10 days to review a measure passed by the Congress. If the president has not signed the bill after 10 days, it becomes law without his signature. However, if the Congress adjourns during the 10 day period, the bill does not become law. Oh, isn't that interesting? So let's be clear. Pelosi needed this bill. More than Trump. She needed this bill. Why? Because her delaying it, thinking she was hurting Trump, did what? Actually cost her probably anywhere from 10 to 15 congressional seats. The Republicans routed down ballot in the election, in the presidential election. Everybody clear? Pelosi miscalculated again. Put aside the presidential for a moment. You may say, well, she did. She did damage Trump. But, you know, most think you know, most people think he lost. The Democrats all think he lost. We'll see about that. But there's no question she hurt herself in the House of Representatives, where if these three House of Representative members leave to join a potential Biden administration, she'll be down to a one vote majority in the House, which is basically equivalent of a no vote majority. She did damage. To clean this mess up now, she needs this bill to pass. So the delay actually hurt her because she thought Trump was going to roll over. Now he hasn't rolled over. What is a pocket veto? What does it have to do with this? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the current House, the 116th Congress, their terms expire January 3rd. So if Donald Trump does nothing with this bill at all and it doesn't get to his desk essentially by today, then all President Trump has to do is nothing. He doesn't have to veto it. The bill dies because it would become law in 10 days if he does nothing. I'm telling you, like, he's probably, he could do nothing. It'd become law. The problem is in 10 days, the Congress is out. They would have to do some concurrent resolution and, uh, and refile this thing. Point being, the media narrative, here's the media narrative. I know it's a little confusing. Remember, just keep in mind, number one, Pelosi needs this thing to pass. She thought delaying it would put Trump in a corner. What she effectively did is put herself in a corner. She delayed it so long that now she had this Trump has this pocket veto as a weapon because the Congress after today only has 10 days left. There'll be a new Congress 10 days from now after January 3rd, and that new Congress is going to be less Democrats, not more. She has less leverage, not more. If Trump simply does nothing and they don't get the bill to him by today, the bill goes away. Now, you can do that concurrent resolution and add things to it. And there's always the possibility they'll get it in today, which will force Trump's hand. Because if he does nothing in 10 days and this new Congress is still here, if he does nothing, the bill becomes law automatically. But if they wait till the end of today and he does nothing, that bill goes away as it was because there's a new Congress. 
Make sense, Joe? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You sure? I'm you sure. don't sound too confident. No, yeah. I want that. I want, if they're not there. That 10 days only comes yeah. into account because they've only got 10 days right. left. And Pelosi, the dunce, waited too long. Yes. If she just would have got it to him yesterday or the day before, he has to do something in 10 days or either veto it or sign it because then the bill automatically becomes law if he does nothing. Or even if he vetoes it, it goes back to this same Congress and they'll override him. But by waiting, they may have screwed themselves big time. Now, showing you what a tactical miscalculation this was, not only is Pelosi, who thought she was gaming Trump, not only is Pelosi now quietly knowing behind the scenes she's in a lot of trouble because Trump's like, your bill sucks. You're going to fix it according to my conditions or you get nothing, nothing, nada. Pelosi's already on tape admitting she delayed the bill. She would have gotten it to him sooner. She probably wouldn't have lost 12, 15 House seats that she lost because her members ran on nothing. Her Democrat members who were in charge, the Democrats were in charge of the House before the election couldn't run on. We're helping the American people with these stimulus checks because they couldn't pass it because Pelosi thought she was doing damage to Trump. She cut off her nose to spite her face. Not only that, she's on tape talking about it. You don't believe me? Here's Pelosi in her own words. I delayed this thing because look at me. I'm the master politician. Really? Check this out. Yeah. Well, I have to accept half of a loaf months ago when you said, I'm not going to accept half a loaf. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Now, don't, don't characterize what we did before as a mistake, as a preface to your question, if you want an answer. That was not a mistake. It was a decision. And it has taken us to a place where we can do the right thing without other, shall we say, considerations in the legislation that we don't want. Now, that is it. Now, th the fact is, I'm very proud of where we are. She admits delaying the bill. She basically says it right there. The guy said, was this a mistake, delaying the bill and not taking the Republicans' earlier offer of a $1.8 trillion stimulus, which was double what they get now, which Democrats should love. It's more government spending, right? Yeah. Pelosi said no to that. So she gets half of what she wants now, even the left-wing media is like, wait, Nance, hold on, Nance. You're supposed to be this genius master tactician politician, right? The Republicans gave you double what you think you wanted now. 1.8 trillion months ago, you said no to that. Now you get half of what, and wasn't that a mistake? No, no, she says it wasn't a mistake. We did it on purpose. She just admitted to it. Yep. She just admitted to it. She delayed it thinking she was going to bottle tr box Trump into a corner, and now she's in a corner. Because her Congress that she's in charge of is done on January 3rd. And Trump can now, if the bill gets doesn't get to him in time, can basically pocket veto, meaning he doesn't have to do anything. Now, why is that a, a win for Trump politically? Because now he has leverage, number one, to get what he wants, which is bigger stimulus checks for the American people. Number two, he can get all the foreign aid and garbage out of it if he wins. But number three, what's the story the media desperately wants to write before Christmas? Think this through. Everybody, take a moment. Think this through. We have a Dan Bongino. Uh, three, we can't go more than seven seconds. We're on terrestrial radio. And it like kicks into like a best of. So The media story they want to write is Trump vetoes stimulus checks for the American people. Right? Yeah. On Christmas. They'll put that story on out Christmas. on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> but a pocket veto isn't if he doesn't have to do anything. They can't write the story Trump vetoed it if he doesn't do anything. All he has to do, Trump is saying, hey, all, all Donald Trump has to do, President Trump, all he has to do is say, I didn't like this bill. 
It wasn't targeted towards the American people. So I'm, where I'm putting this back in the Congress to fix it. The media can't write Trump vetoed it because he doesn't have to veto it. They don't get it to him in time. He just has to do nothing and let them iron out the BS. You may not like it, but that is the cold, hard politics of it. That if they don't get him a bill in time, that pocket veto becomes a real reality. And the media can't write any of their stories that they already have ready to go on Christmas. Scrooge McTrump. Scrooge McTrump vetoes stimulus bill on Christmas Eve. They so want to write this story. Did you notice, though, in that speech, if you watch the whole thing, the one we just played the clip, he doesn't say the word veto because he's not stupid. Again, I think Trump. <laughs> Listen, not everything the guy does is some four dimensional chess. OK, he's human like everyone else. He makes mistakes. We make mistakes. Paula never makes mistakes. Joe makes mistakes. Drew, everyone, blah, blah. everybody makes mistakes. Trump makes mistakes. This was one of those moments where I really believe, I sincerely believe Pelosi thought she had Trump, had him, the Russians over a barrel, as they said in this stupid dossier, right? Thought she had him over a barrel. And really now the real barrel is on the other side, not with Trump. One more quick piece of uh, breaking news last night. What did I tell you before he leaves? That President Trump should pardon everyone involved in this collusion fiasco. Ladies and gentlemen, this was an abhorrent, disgusting, grotesque abuse of power, inventing information paid for by Hillary Clinton to hijack the justice system and our intelligence infrastructure to spy on a presidential candidate and president of the United States is the most disgusting political scandal in American history. There's not even a close second. I don't care how bad the people involved were in this. That part, their prosecutions of Manafort and elsewhere, all of them, were all due to their relationship to Trump. I'm not vouching for their character or anything. I don't know them well enough. I'm just telling you everyone should be pardoned for this because that's what the presidential pardon in the Constitution is designed to do. Correct correct gross abuses of the justice system, which the entire collusion hoax and the, pro the prosecutions were. Flynn, my General Mike Flynn got a pardon. Excellent. Now we see yesterday, Washington Examiner has a story being in the show notes today. White House announces 15 pre-Christmas pardons, including two tied to the Mueller investigation and three former congressmen. Leaving the congressman aside for a minute, he pardoned George Papadopoulos. Great move. And that Vander Schwan guy who had worked for that company involved with some of the work, uh, I believe Manafort and his company was doing that legal rep there. Good. I'm not vouching for their character. I don't know them well enough. I've had uh, dinner with George. I've spoken with George. But George Papadopoulos was targeted for one reason only, because of his political affiliation with the Trump team. I said a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a year ago, President Trump out the door should pardon everyone this case has touched. I'm very sorry, but this was a gross abuse of the justice system and everyone should get a pardon. So this is a good start. And I don't think it's the, uh, I don't think it's the end of it. All right, uh, moving on. I've got a really important story for you coming up. First, I want to play you some quick video of what the other guy's up to, Biden. Who, I mean, he, the guy's just actively promoting a conspiracy theory now. Well, how is Biden not being tagged for misinformation with this? I'll play the video of that in a second. Seriously, he's actively promoting a fully discredited conspiracy theory. Where's Twitter? Fake book? The fact checkers? Where? Nowhere. Because they're, they're morons and losers, and they just hate conservatives. They're morons. Man, it's before Christmas. Being, I don't want to be nice. I can't stand those people and they can't stand us. They're total phonies. I got video of that. And I've also got, believe it or not, this may be a first. A New York Times story in a stunning act of actual journalism, 
and like four or five screenshots from it about how Trump may have changed the GOP forever. It's an important piece with some really stunning information. I'm actually shocked it was in the New York Times. I'm not kidding. All right, let me get to my second sponsor today. One of my favorites, the absolutely delicious, second to none, our friends at Magic Spoon Cereal. Listen, there's no better time than the holidays to enjoy a bowl of this stuff. Why? Because growing up, everybody loves cereal, right? But why did you give it up? Probably for the same reasons I did. You probably looked at the back at the nutrition facts and you were like, what? What's all that sugar doing in there? Come on, that stuff was really never healthy. (laughs) Magic Spoon has zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. Forget all that. You know what's important? The stuff is delicious. I, we can't get enough of it in this house. Many of you have asked, and now you can finally build your own custom variety box. You can choose from their best-selling cocoa. Mm. They're fruity, frosted, and blueberry flavors, plus brand new flavors, including peanut butter and cinnamon. The peanut butter is outstanding. Outstanding. It tastes amazing. Honestly, too good to be true. Trust me. Try it. Send us your feedback. We get <laughs> incredible emails about it. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Go to magicspoon.com slash Bongino. Build your own custom variety box and try it today. It'll be yours for life. Be sure to use our promo code Bongino at checkout to get your free shipping. And Magic Spoon's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Bongino. Magicspoon.com slash Bongino. (coughs) Excuse me. Use promo code Bongino for free shipping. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring the podcast. Try this stuff. It is absolutely delicious. As for the other guy... Sleepy Joe. So Sleepy Jay was given <laughs> Sleepy Jay was given a little presser yesterday, and of course, you know the journalists there. I don't even when I say journalists, it should come with a an automatic laughter response afterwards because journalists are just clowns now. It's just, the only real journalist out on the trail is Peter Ducey from Fox News who dares to ask Joe Biden real questions about his son. So Peter Ducey shouts out this question yesterday at the end of a presser. I'm going to play this video. It's about 30 seconds. Here's Joe Biden pumping a known discredited conspiracy theory, a conspiracy theory by every essence and meaning of the word. Joe Biden is alleging a conspiracy that is already a debunked theory that the information about his son, Hunter, his known suspicious associations with foreign governments that we know are under investigation by the FBI. We have the actual FBI case number. He's alleging that this is a Russian disinformation plot. Again, Ducey asks him, hey, is that Russian disinformation? Listen to this lunatic's answer. Check this out. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. God love you, man. You, you're a one-horse pony. I tell you. Thank you. Thank you. I promise you my Justice Department will be totally on its own making its judgments about how they should proceed. Thank you. One, what the hell is a one-horse pony? Are there two-horse ponies? You mean a one-trick pony? Can this guy even get, like, his expressions right? What the hell's a one-horse pony? As Shapiro tweeted out this morning, he's right. 
I'd love to see a two horse pony. What is that? What is that? Like a mutant pony? Like with Medusa heads or the, what the hell is that? The Hydra, the seven headed pony? Like what's a one horse pony? But he can't even get his express. This is how delusional this guy. He lives in another, like mentally, he exists in another level of the cosmos. Thankfully, you and I will never see. Peter Ducey from Fox asked him a real question. Hey, basically, now that we know that your son's under FBI investigation, we have the actual case number. It's real. Now that we know that, are you still going to claim that the investigation is Russian disinformation? What does he say, Biden? Yes, yes, and yes. How did... How did that escape the Twitter and fake book fact checkers? Because they're not serious. They're not, these are lunatics. These fact checkers, trained journalists, I'll get to that later too. The fact checkers are supposed to be trained journalists, are a joke. You're Pravda Soviets. You're nothing more than Castro-like Cuban suppressors of information in, in the state of, that people escape from to live in freedom here. And now they have to deal with you losers here. How did that escape the fact checkers? Why is Joe Biden not being extensively fact checked on this video now every time with a little Twitter fake book fact checking notification? Note, it is not a Russian disinformation plot. There is an actual FBI case number against Hunter Biden. Why? Because they're fake. And that's why I love that Wall Street Journal piece I put out there a few weeks ago. That Republicans and Trump supporters, when they see a fake book and Twitter fact check, When they see it, they're more likely to believe the story is true. It's the greatest misfire in the history of fact-checking. We know your scam. We know you hate conservatives. We know your fact-checking is nothing more than political attacks. And it leads us to believe logically that if you fact-check it because you're inspired by politics, that you're afraid of what the message is, which makes us believe it's more true rather than less true. Greatest misfire ever in the history of social media. Get a special counsel, Mr. Trump, please, before you leave office on this case. Because if this guy winds up making it into the presidency, this this deranged man talking about a Russian disinformation plot, you think he's going to take a DOJ case against his son seriously? He's pumping a discredited conspiracy theory by every definition of the word. If there was ever a time for a special counsel, it's now. All right, moving on. So shockingly, the New York Times has some stunning act of journalism. Of course, they do it now after the election when they think there's no consequences because they're convinced Biden won. But this story was fascinating. I, I, you know, in the interest of actual reporting fairness, there's some nuggets in here you really need to read. And and I think for the first time ever, I have a New York Times story in the show notes because I really do think it's important you read it. Because if this data is accurate, and it looks like it is, it bodes well for the future of the GOP and speaks to the incredible effect Trump had on the party. New York Times. Immigrant neighborhoods shifted red as the country chose blue. Wait, that headline, Paul, is that headline right? Did you manipulate that at all? No, she didn't. She's giving me the no-ski. Joe, did you mean no? Joe didn't do it because Joe doesn't even do that. Paula does that. Joe does the video audio. That can't possibly be. Immigrant neighborhoods shifted red as the county, as the country chose blue. New York Times. Didn't the New York Times tell us Donald Trump hates immigrants? Donald Trump hates minorities, people who are gay. Donald Trump hates everyone, according to the New York Times. How's this possible? That immigrant neighborhood shifted red? I didn't read the headline wrong. In the New York Times. 
Now, you would think the New York Times would then acknowledge that the journalisming that they've done over the past four years telling us how Donald Trump hates immigrants, you'd think they'd acknowledge it. Maybe their reporting was wrong because it's kind of weird. I've got a lot of screenshots from this piece. They're short, but they are worth your time because, ladies and gentlemen, this portends something very positive in the future. You know, I don't want, it's around Christmas. I don't want to cover all the negative news all the time. There's some good, there's a lot of, we're still the United States of America. So got the most powerful economy on planet earth, the most powerful military and the smartest people around and the greatest entrepreneurs. We can still fix some of the disasters heading our way. Tomorrow can still be great. Don't ever underestimate the power of the United States. It's been a great miscalculation on the behalf of foreign powers throughout our history. And going forward, if this is true, what I'm about to tell you in this story, that immigrant populations, minority populations, and minority populations that are not necessarily remembered, a lot of many minority families have been here for generations. Some were here since our founding. Are shifting towards President Trump. The entire Democrat demographic destiny they've been telling you is over. Before I get to the first screenshot, remember what they told us. The Colorado Project and elsewhere by the Democrats, they thought after Obama that they had reached demographic superiority and that there was no way they were going to lose a national election again. What was their coalition, Joe? Remember this? They talked about their coalition of the young women and minority voters, that the growing explosion in young, in young voters and their interest in the Democrat Party there, the explosion in, uh, in female, remember the whole, uh, they walked through the life of that lady, the Obama thing, what was her name? The life oh. of uh, Judy or whatever. Yeah. Remember that? The, and they had that, that was their thing. And the minority, the, uh, the increasing proportion of minority voters in elections, the Democrats thought they could never lose again, but they did. They lost to Trump. I think they lost to him twice. So if one portion of that three-legged stool collapses, the Democrats are finished. I want to get to the immigrant minority portion of it. Let's go to screenshot number one, how the immigrant minority portion, they're not shifting towards the Democrats, quote, New York Times. Across the U.S., many areas with large populations of Latinos and residents of Asian descent, including ones with the highest numbers of immigrants, had something in common this election, a surge in turnout and a shift to the right, often a sizable one. Wait, that doesn't sound, this doesn't sound like the media narrative we've been told. The pattern was evident in big cities like Chicago and New York and California and Florida and along the Texas border with Mexico, according to a New York Times analysis of voting in 28,000 precincts in more than 20 cities. Folks, that sounds like to me everything you've been told about President Donald J. Trump and his effect on immigrant voters and minority populations. Everything was wrong. You've been told for three years, he's a racist, he's a bigot, immigrants hate him, minorities can't stand them. Hispanic voters, oh my gosh, they really can't stand them. All the lies about President Trump with the Charlottesville speech, the lies, the made-up fabrications, the lies that he called all Hispanic people rapists and Mexicans, that's not what he said at all. They're just made, they make this stuff up. They make it up to, to put you in some box the media wants you in, you're Hispanic. Some people don't identify as Hispanic. They identify as a mom, as a dad, as a cop, a fireman, military officer, whatever it may be. They want you in that box so they can tell you what? Trump hates you because you're Hispanic. It's the only reason. But it sounds like everything they told you is wrong. Because these people aren't voting more for the Democrats. 
They're shifting to the right and voting more for Trump. Let's go on. Screenshot two. This piece was fascinating. I'm not kidding. Stunning. Again, in the New York Times. With only a few exceptions, they're talking about all these areas dominated by immigrants and minorities. With few exceptions, all of these areas continue to be Democratic strongholds. They gave more votes to Biden by substantial margins. But in a divided American electorate, any shift can be consequential. And already that shift appears to have changed outcomes in a number of congressional races. They're talking about the shift to the right. Asian Americans and Latinos are growing parts of the American electorate. They're currently about 13% of eligible voters. They're Hispanic and 4% are Asian American. By 2032, Hispanic voters are predicted to make up 18% of the electorate and Asian American, the Asian American share is also expected to grow. What they're saying here, folks, is yes, the Democrats are still winning by big margins in these areas dominated uh, in, in big cities, dominated by both immigrants and dominated by minority voters. They're still winning big, but they're not going to be winning big enough by big enough margins if this shift where they're voting more Republican continues to happen. If they don't rack up huge totals in big cities all across the country, they're going to lose states in the future like New York and even potentially Illinois. It goes on. Again, how everything you've been told about Trump is wrong. Check this out. How the New York Times, they missed this whole thing because they're blind to what's going on. They've never taken Trump seriously. Quote, thousands of new voters across the country turned out in areas with significant numbers of Latinos and of residents of Asian descent. Populations whose participations in past elections has lagged. And overall, Mr. Trump, whose policies and remarks were widely expected to alienate, widely expected by who? The media. Widely expected to alienate immigrants and voters of color, won the lion's share of the additional turnout. The New York Times here is de facto admitting that their lies about Trump, which they they wanted to alienate, they the New York Times propaganda was trying to alienate immigrant voters, didn't work. Because not only are more immigrant voters and Hispanic voters turning out, the ones that are turning out are voting for Trump. That is a self-own and face plan onto the ground like I've never seen. They are by default acknowledging all their propaganda efforts. Trump hates you. Trump hates you. Trump hates you. Not only didn't work, that... Immigrant voters who were smart and minority voters who were smart too figured out on their own that what they've been told about Trump is BS, bull stuff. The numbers don't lie. It's all made up. Every bit of it. All right, I got two more from this piece. I know, shocker. Like, you really promote a new... I'm not... The New York Times stinks and they had to admit they suck right in this old line. But... I'm going to put the article in there because you need to read. I got two more screenshots. Um, let me get to my third sponsor today. Uh, it's important they pay for the show and uh, it's a holiday season. So we always appreciate their support. Genucel, ladies and gentlemen, Genucel. It's a big favorite in my house with both my mother-in-law and my wife. They've got special holiday savings going on right now. Go check it out. Go to genucel.com and her code Dan40 at checkout. There's only a few days left for the Christmas and holiday season sale from Chamonix. This Christmas season, get Chamonix's brand new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum absolutely free with your order. The new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum from Chamonix means skin that is smooth as silk, free from redness, acne, and acne scars, and faster collagen production. Zotique's, uh, Zotique increases firmness, smoothness, and diminishes adult acne, redness, and stress breakouts. You can even say goodbye to crow's feet and those dreaded laugh lines. 
And with its immediate effects, you can see results in 12 hours or less. Everyone will see the difference guaranteed or 100% of your money back. That is the Chamonix promise. Go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. Enter Dan40. That's Dan40 checkout. We all love promo codes for even more holiday savings. Treat yourself this holiday. Get Chamonix brand new. Zotique Deep Correcting Serum, their Crystal's at-home microdermabrasion treatment, their exfoliating mask, and a surprise luxury gift all free with your order today. Plus, free upgrade to priority shipping. Go to GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com, GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. Use promo code DAN40 at checkout. Check it out today. All right. So getting back to this. You know, there are two areas I have some special expertise in because I live there and one state I particularly ran in, but Florida and New York. I lived in Florida, New York, and Maryland. So in the piece here, they also talk about what's going down in specific cities, specifically Miami and New York. I would love to get that up, but I'm still reading the Chamonix spot. There you go. (laughs) Oh, the behind the scenes on this show. Someone yelled at me yesterday, like, Stop getting on. I don't get on. I love Paula. She's, she's, got, she's literally has two hands, right? Two hands. We know she's not like the Medusa figure we talked about before. And it's tough to do all the stuff she has to do during the show. Oh, my wife. She's great. But yeah, I see it now. In Deep Blue, this is from the New York Times piece. Remember I told you, wait, I'll keep that up a second. But right before the election, remember what I told you, Joe, we said in, Bra- in uh, both Broward and Miami-Dade County? Yeah. I said the early voting looked terrible for Democrats yeah, and Florida yeah. and Florida went to Trump by a huge margin. Here's what's happening here, folks. In the once deeply blue Miami, where a majority of Latinos are of Cuban descent, Mr. Biden's margin of victory was just seven points. They said, well, what's the good news about that? Well, it was down from Clinton's margin of 29 points in 2016. That's a huge difference. And two Democratic Congresswomen lost their seats there in the election. But the shift right in areas with high immigrant populations was statewide, not just in Miami. And it helped the president win the state with a margin larger than he did in 2016, though polls had predicted a Biden win. Folks, I'm telling you right now, if Florida continues down this track, Cuban voters, Venezuelan voters, Puerto Rican voters, Dominican voters and others in a state, Florida, I live in here with a Colombian voters like my wife and her mom. With large Hispanic population, Florida has an immensely large Hispanic population. If these new immigrant voters, non-immigrant voters, and generational U.S. citizen Hispanic voters continue to shift right in big cities like Miami and elsewhere, Florida will be off the map for uh, for Democrats for a generation. Even worse, their so-called bluing of Texas where they think new Mexican voters in Texas and new citizens in Texas, that that's going to cost uh, that's going to cause Texas to go blue. If those Mexican voters, which we've seen on the border, continue to vote like they do in increasing numbers for Trump, the blueing of Texas comes to a stop, too. Now, all of a sudden, your swing state hopes for Florida go down the tubes. One more last piece from this. I hate to give them any clicks, but knowledge, you know, when, you, when actual journalism happens, we got to recognize it. New York City. You're like, no way, Dan. New York City? There's people in New York City voting for Trump? Yes, and not just a few. Quote, New York Slimes. In the city's 100 precincts with the largest number of Latinos, Mr. Trump received 18% of the vote this year. You may say, well, what's so great about that? 
Well, what's great about that is he got 7% in 2016. Folks, that's a huge jump. In precincts with large numbers of residents of Asian descent, turnout was up 20%, with Mr. Trump winning most of the additional votes. Remember, what's the old line, right? I don't have to beat the bear. I just have to beat you. Because then the bear eats you first. We don't have to win these big cities as Republicans. We don't. We just have to lose by lesser margins than we have in the past so that the rest of the state where we typically win big in New York and in Florida and elsewhere, the exurbs, rural areas, some portions of the suburbs, if we can get those back, their swing state dreams are done. Imagine New York City with a, where it's 80-20 margins for the Democrats get cut down to 70-30, even less, 65-35. I'm telling you, the Democrats' demographic destiny will be over. Article's worth your time, despite its source in the collusion hoax, PP tape, New York Times. I'll put it in the show notes. It's a rarity. Take advantage of it. Bongino.com slash newsletter if you want to access the show notes. All right, moving on. Um, folks, I'm very sorry. I, listen, I, I want to just caveat and put this up front. I mean, it's because I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. It's not virtue signaling. It's not me trying to pretend to be an I, you know me, I don't really, you know, I have an edge on myself. I don't really care what people think. I do what I want in the show. I think most of you can tell that. But I love teachers. They changed my life. They did. You have my utmost respect. My sister-in-law is a teacher. I have a ton of family members who are teachers and my life has been changed by teachers. I'm saying that because I mean every single word of it. God bless you. Your unions, however, are a national disgrace. They're not a national disgrace. They're, they're not even, an, they're a cosmic level disgrace. String theory, multi-generational, multi-universe disgrace. The teachers' unions have become totally disgusting, horrible, awful apparatchiks for the destruction of your kid's future. Uh, wow, Dan, that sounds harsh. No, it's absolutely true. I'm very sorry. And I know some of the teachers are starting to revolt against this stuff, but there's an article in the Washington Examiner here where they're like, we've had enough of the teachers unions. Listen, ladies and gents, I'm with you a thousand percent. I've had enough. Enough is enough of these organizations that have nothing to do with the benefit of your kids at all and have everything to do with instilling some kind of a socialist agenda and empowering themselves. It's disgusting. Teachers should be treated great. They should be compensated well, like they are in South Korea and elsewhere. But I'm telling you, your unions are doing nothing for you. Check out this Washington Examiner piece. I wanted to talk to you about it yesterday, but we had so much going on during the show. Washington Examiner. This is the bet. This nailed it on the headline. 2020 exposed the teachers' unions for the frauds they are. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. Wait, got to get three in there. Kenny Bell time. <laughs> Always got to give a little. Yeah, we haven't done much Kenny Bell's. They are frauds. Well, what is this article about? Folks, the science and the... I thought Democrats were into... Because remember, the teachers' unions are far-left liberal radicals. Some of them are socialists, right? I thought they believed in science and data. I mean, wouldn't it be embarrassing, Joe, right, to be a representative of a teachers' union 
and you teaching and professing allegiance to things that aren't facts and data? Yeah. Wouldn't that be weird? It'd be, be weird, weird, right? You're a te man. teacher, you're teacher, facts. That'd be very really weird. weird. That facts, data, teacher. So be very strange if you were a teacher's union and you just couldn't nail down the facts and data. So we have the facts and data about the spread of the coronavirus now. And we know that children are not generally spreaders, that children are not thankfully generally susceptible to the worst effects of coronavirus. They can get it, of course. And that they generally don't spread it to others and that schools are generally low risk. We know that. Yeah. But the teachers unions who supposedly profess to believe in facts and data have thrown that out the window. Here's a quote from the Washington Examiner piece. But teachers unions aren't interested in the data. They'd rather spread deliberately exaggerated fears about the coronavirus so they can exercise power over local governments, encouraging teachers to walk out of the classroom if their schools reopen and threatening strikes if government officials buck their demands. Now, almost unbelievably, a teachers union in Chicago is suggesting widespread vaccination won't even be enough to convince teachers to return to the classroom. They just want to stay at home, sacrifice their students and continue to collect their paychecks. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry if you support this. Uh, this is probably not the show for you. I'm sorry. I mean, if you are in this ed educational infrastructure and you believe you are doing some public good by keeping kids out of the classroom, you are, you are totally immune to facts and data and you have grossly miscalculated me and my show audience because we have no more patience for it. None. And ladies and gentlemen, in case you're thinking, wow, it doesn't affect your kid. No, it doesn't affect mine. Folks, we will be A-OK. -okay. Thanks to the generosity of you and the audience, my wife and I will be fine. We have the means to take care of it. I'm not arguing this for my kids. I can pay for tutors. I can do whatever I want. A lot of you can too or well off. This isn't for my benefit one bit. You know who it's for the benefit of? People who are struggling, who are getting screwed by these teachers unions. Not me. Oh, you don't believe me? Let's use another left-wing source in case you, you know, people who are in the teachers unions and elsewhere and who support this keeping the kids out of school disaster apocalypse for our society. In case you think I'm making this up, let's go to left-wing Bloomberg. This is their story. Again, I'll put this in the show notes too today for you to read. Bloomberg, left-winger. Bloomberg, affluent families ditch public schools, widening U.S. inequality. Poorer students, unable to afford alternatives, are struggling in online classes. This ain't for me, folks. This isn't for me. My kids will be A-OK. -okay. This is for everyone else who won't. As the teachers' unions and employees of the educational infrastructure who support this apocalyptic disaster of keeping kids out of school, what's happening? Affluent parents are pulling their kids out of public, public schools because they have the money to do so and are sending them where? To private schools where they're doing A-OK, -okay, learning how to be everyone else's boss. While everyone else who doesn't have the means, in other words, the poor, the Democrats and the teachers unions profess to be looking out for, we're in it for the little guy, get screwed, get subjected to second-rate online classes. And if you go on and read the Bloomberg piece, some of the parents who don't even have access to the internet they need to do with some of them, they've just given up. Their kids aren't going to school at all. But keep telling us, Democrats and teachers unions, you're in it for the little guy, you dimwads. I took a note here worth an underline. The curse of liberalism strikes again. 
strikes again. How these liberal buffoons and radicals who love to tell you that they're in it for the little guy, stick it to the little guy every single day of their lives. Tired of the teachers unions. They are a curse on this country. The kids back in school. It ain't for me, folks. It's not for me. We will be fine. Struggling Americans won't be. All right, uh, let me get to my last sponsor. On the other side of this, I got another story. <laughs> Axios. Uh, I'll break down the whole cabal of how the, the, I'm telling you folks, there's a serious war on free speech going on. I've got a warning. I'm going to leave the show with today. You're not going to want to miss. Our final sponsor today, Taser. People at Taser believe that safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight, or lightweight enough to carry with you in your glove compartment or your purse. Yet they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Taser products are safer and easier to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize your attacker for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS location upon discharge. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with the Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. I have one. Very easy to use. Very effective. Now you can own your own Taser device, the number one choice of law enforcement agencies. Protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Plus Pro, my personal favorite, or Taser Strike Light at Taser, T-A-S-E-R dot com with promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. Save 15% now at Taser.com using promo code Bongino. Spelled Taser, T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code Bongino. Also, check out the holiday bundles. Exclusions apply. Check the site for details. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, getting back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I've warned you repeatedly that the Democrats are not playing games. That the liberals have given up on, you know, there used to be liberals that were interested in free speech. I mentioned it at my speech at Turning Point USA this past weekend at their Student Action Summit. There used to be that the whole liberal ethos used to be anti-authoritarianism. Matter of fact, when I was younger in college, I had a bumper sticker on my car that read question authority because I was an independent. I wasn't a registered Republican initially. And by the way, in this speech, I mentioned... Rage Against the Machine, the band, because I used to listen. They're, I'm yeah. no fan. This guy's gone full socialist. And by the way, they, they've done stuff in support of this Mumia Abu Jamal, which is unforgivable. But I'm honest about it. When I was a kid, you know, I didn't know that much about bands and you just listen to music when you, you know, you don't research their politics when you're, you know, 16, you know, 18 years old. But I mentioned that it was interesting how even far left liberals like that, like Rage Against the Machine, they're like full blown leftists. I mentioned how even back then, their whole like grunge rock, whatever it was, message, I don't know how to describe it. And Joe, believe me, nobody knows tunes better than Joe. Joe was a professional, was in like mm-hmm. actual bands that did touring and stuff. Right, Joe, the whole ethos of the 60s rock era and even the grunge rock era was like, stick it to the man, yes. bro. Right? Yeah. Was, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, you know. For me, it was Jefferson Airplane. That was their Airplane. whole thing. Yeah. Jefferson Airplane yeah, was the one yeah, for me. Yeah, man. Were- and it was all like, Crazy. Screw they're, 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 and screw the man. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Screw the, with, I don't do chords very well. And then a drum beat in the back. 
Cause you can't tell by the way. Screw the man. Walk to the Yeah, I watched the You're Bee Gees right. documentary uh, last night. That's why I'm going. But that was the whole thing. Yes. Screw the man. Paul is like horrified by my saying every single time. Now it's like, where did those liberals go? Where did they go? Socialists who supported this cop killer, like as radical kookies you get, still said screw the man. Now their thing is like, Eric Swalwell, like, I want to screw the man. Like, that's their thing. Like, they loved him a little too much, if you know what I mean. Sorry, it's Christmas, but they, you get what I'm saying? Yes. They love the man now. The man. Joe knows what I'm saying. The man. It was like a term in the 60s. Yeah, like, man. government man's coming, screw the man. Yeah. Now they love it. Here comes the man. They love censorship. Here comes the <laughs> They They beg the man. Now, to crush other people's civil rights. So what used to be like the cool, edgy, liberal, anti-authoritarian movement is now a bunch of lemming subjects of the man themselves. They're now subjects of the man. Thank you, Dan. When they said they hated the man. By the way, that BG's documentary was pretty good, I got to tell you. I know some of you have seen it. I happen to creep across the line. Remember the Bee Gees? Oh, yeah, man. We have that falsetto. Remember that falsetto by uh, by uh, uh, Barry Gibb? They talk <laughs> yeah. about how that came about by mistake. <laughs> you know that high voice Barry Gibb used to oh, do? Yeah, that how it all happened mm -hmm. by mistake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, <laughs> he didn't do that. They, what happened is at the end of one of their songs, one of the producers who wanted him to have more of an R&B sound said, hey, Barry, you got to like rock it. I forget the name of the, I forget the song, which one it was, but they said, you really need to, oh, job was it Jive talking or something? They said, you really need like to rock it at the end and do something crazy. So Barry Gibb did that falsetto. Huh. He did the falsetto at the end and everybody loved it. And that's why, man, you can't tell. That's how that all came about by the Bee Gees. It was the craziest thing. Check it out. It was actually pretty interesting, the Bee Gees. So, but where I was even going. That's the whole point. Like the, now the left who used to be these like cool kid culture kids now love the man. Check this out. Axios yesterday, which supposedly is a journalism site, but gets it lately has been just screwing stuff up. They put out this piece. That's hilarious. Keep in mind our website. We're the ones who nailed the Spygate hoax of the collusion, the Spygate scandal, the collusion hoax, the Ukraine hoax. We nailed it while the media got that wrong. So Axios runs this story, quote, unreliable news sources got more traction in 2020. They put unreliable in quotes, but then, you know, the point's there. Like they want to show how unreliable these people, who do they talk about? Oh, me. They say in 2020, nearly one fifth of engagement among the top 100 news sources on social media came from sources that NewsGuard, <laughs> NewsGuard, hilarious, deems generally unreliable. NewsGuard found that its top rated unreliable site was Ben Shapiro's The Daily Wire which saw 2.5 times as many interactions as 20. Keep in mind, the Daily Wire's nailed every story NewsGuard and these other clowns got wrong. <laughs> then they go on, Bongito.com increased engagement by more than 1,700% this year. NewsGuard, this is the funniest part of this whole thing. NewsGuard, this place who deems us unreliable, Joe, hilariously, oh, yes. <laughs> uses trained journalists to rate thousands of news and information website. Trained journalist. I almost threw up when I, and it wasn't from the chemo. I almost <laughs> retched when I heard 
Trey, you mean the same journalist that told us the PP hoax was real, that told us Spygate was fake, even though we have the name of the spies, that told us the Hunter Biden story was a joke despite having the FBI case number? You mean the ones that told us Nikki Haley hanged the drapes in the State Department thing despite the fact that Hillary Clinton did it? Remember the ones that told us Don Jr. was propositioned by WikiLeaks despite the fact that he never even answered the email and it came out after it was all public? Remember all that stuff? Those were the trained journalists that fell willingly for these hoaxes when we called them out. Yet news guards, trained journalists, deem us unreliable. Is that hilarious? What's really going on here? It's a propaganda mission. The now pro-authoritarian left, who love the man now, a little too much. The pro-authoritarian left is terrified that my site is exploding. It is. They just, that's their, that NewsGuard acknowledges our site is up 1,700%. We are the fastest growing conservative website in the country, Bongino.com. That's just a fact. That terrifies them because they're terrified of the truth because they're Soviets. No, no, I mean it. They're like real Soviets in their ideology, the media. The media now is all about propaganda. They have their lips surgically attached to the butts of the left. So the media now runs fake fact check sites like NewsGuard to try to stop the momentum of truth telling sites like ours by calling them unreliable. That's step one. You get it, Joe? Deem conservative websites that call us out in the media for our Soviet propaganda. Mm -hmm. Deem them unreliable. Mm -hmm. So we can call them misinformation sites. That's only step one. What's step two? Well, let's go back to Axios. Huh. Convenient. This was in a different Axios newsletter. Exclusive. There's a coalition now of leftist lunatics uh, demanding Biden act on misinformation. Quote, a large co a collection of nonprofits is sending an open letter calling for the incoming administration, Biden, to do a better job of educating the public on misinformation and taking stronger action to protect the healthcare system, voting process, and other critical institutions. They make a number of demands, Joe. One of them, is get a load of this. This is this is absolutely terrifying. I'm not kidding. This is not a joke. They want to create a national site for debunking misinformation. Are you kidding me? After pumping the PP tape, telling us the Spygate scandal we call that was fake. After telling us that Mike Flynn reached out to the Russians before the election when it was after and Joy Behar celebrating it. After getting the Covington kids story wrong, after getting Juicy Small A, that story wrong, after getting every major story promoting 52,000 race hoaxes, the same mainstream media that people that are on the record promoting a series of endless hoaxes over four years and getting busted by people like us, those same people are now calling on the Biden administration to run a Pravda-like national inventory of misinformation sites so they can get us booted off the internet? This is, I mean, this is beyond Orwellian. It's dictionary.com smorwellian if you watched the show last week. That's even worse. Here's my fear, folks, and even some folks in the media who are honest, they're starting to get worried about what's going on. The now liberal anti-civil rights, we are the man, liberals now, 
who are using everything in their power to crush civil liberties and free speech, while their news guard friends and trained journalists in the media assist them in doing it. A lot of journalists are getting scared now because this is getting into really freaky deaky scary time. It's Wall Street Journal piece. We're going to wrap up the show with this today. Listen, I rarely put Wall Street Journal links in the show notes, as you know, because they're subscription only. I'm going to make an exception today for this one. Some of you have a subscription. Maybe it's beyond the paywall now, but this article should scare the hell out of you and it is worth your time. Soviet politics, American style by David Satter, a propaganda, propagandistic press, the crushing of academic freedom and the shattering of family loyalties. This is a warning from this guy about the media in the United States practicing the exact same tactics as the Soviets did in crushing free speech and, and dissident behavior. From the piece, it's three paragraphs, they're short, but this is worth, listen to this. One of the pillars of the Soviet Union was a controlled press, gosh, that sounds familiar, in which all coverage was organized to confirm a mendacious ideology. He says, a friend of mine in Moscow, Vladimir Fedorov, went to work for the TASS News Service, which often uh, which offered readers not news, but a, quote, correct depiction of events, especially events regarding the U.S. and the, quote, ulcers of capitalism, racism, crime, and unemployment. So this guy's got this experience in Moscow with his friend who worked for the old Soviet press, where they focused on, Joe, correct depictions. Mm-hmm. On his first day at the TASS, Vladimir was handed a United Press International story about a U.S. company that was promoting a high-quality tire and offered to replace older tires free of charge. Vladimir, this guy in Moscow, wanted to kill the story, but his boss rewrote it. The new version read, In the crafty capitalist market, firms frequently offer low-quality products. That is why a well-known American firm was forced to replace the tires that were of inferior quality. The headline of the article was Deception of Buyer. Mm-hmm. Sounds exactly like what NewsGuard did to us. Running a headline that then Axios, a supposed mainstream outlet, is more than happy to pick up. Unreliable. Unreliable how? Unreliable in that we didn't deceptively write a headline that you wanted us to write? Is that what you mean? That we told the truth when we caught you lying? Folks, the media's gone full Soviet. They are practicing the exact same topics along with their liberal pro-the-man policies. These are now full-time anti-civil liberties advocates. They cloak their rhetoric and their actions in the opposite, Antifa. We're anti-fascist. No, you're pro-fa. Pro- I, like, I like pro-tifa better. Pro-fa, pro-fascist. But I like Protifa. That's like using fascist tactics. That's what the brown shirts and the black shirts did. They went in the street and beat the hell out of their opponents. That's what they do, Antifa. Yep. BLM, we're all for black lives. One of the founders is a self-professed Marxist. You know, Marxism, where they torture, kill, and maim minorities, including people who are black, who are treated horribly in socialist regimes. And the media, we're in this for truth. We're calling out unreliable sites like Bongino.com. Really? That's funny because we called you guys out on documented hoaxes we know you promoted. And we called you out on it. Isn't that kind of weird how you're trying to flip the script on us? Pure straight up Soviets. 
listen, be afraid. Be very afraid. We are going down a dangerous path. These people are full-time anti-civil liberties advocates, and they hate your guts, and it's very dangerous. The free country you thought you lived in is evaporating by the moment if we don't stop this soon. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I close every day now with please check out BonginoReport.com. It is your alternative we've uh, put out there to the Drudge Report, which has now abandoned us incredibly. Drudge has gone full left. We do a great news aggregator. We have sports, entertainment, politics, culture wars. We have all broken down for you. Super easy to read. BonginoReport.com. We'd really appreciate if you made it your new home for news of the day. And please subscribe to my show on Rumble. R-U-M-B-L-E, rumble.com slash Bongino for the video version. It's free, absolutely free to you. Just click the subscribe button. You can watch the show on video. We're almost at a million subscribers. We really appreciate it. I'll see you all on Monday. We get a good day, sir, today, Joe? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Before do you, Joe, yeah, we got to do a good day, sir. We can't let him go without the week. Do you have that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Wait, hold on. Before we queue it up. I Merry Christmas first. Everyone out there. Paula, she always keeps me in check. Really. Merry Christmas to Paula. Merry Christmas to Joe, who's been with me for, from the beginning. Merry Christmas to Drew. This is our first two-day period off in forever. You all do a great job. And to Matt Palumbo at the Bongino Report, John, who writes for us as well, and uh, everyone else who are, works with us. We really appreciate it. And to the greatest audience in the business, big Merry Christmas. Now for our typical Friday close, but we can't end the week without it. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.